Um, I'm reminded of a story that I heard. Actually, it was um, it was a little video, kind of a dramatized version of the life of Martin Luther. And of course, I'm going to say this story before. Yeah, thanks for the reminder, Mom. I'll pray. It's a story of and. Martin Luther was, of course, as, as some of us might know, um, had this experience where he was on the road and this lightning came down and he prayed to God that if he, wouldn't, if he would spare his life, um, he would give his life to the monastic lifestyle. And, of course, that started him on a very uh, dark experience in his life where he was trying to be just with God in his own works. And... Anyways, to the point that his uh, upper people that, you know, were kind of his higher-ups were very concerned about him because he was so focused on trying to be right with God and, and all this kind of stuff. And anyways, in this dramatized version, his higher-ups basically says, I'm going to send you to Wittenberg to teach so that um, basically, you know, te- teach the Word of God. And Luther says, how can I teach the Word of God when I don't have an experience worth sharing? And the guy looked back at him and said, we preach best what we need to learn most. And that's my experience, hopefully, with this this morning. I preach best, but I need to learn this the most of all. So hopefully it will be a blessing. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Lord for this opportunity to be here at this conference, Lord, for this agriculture. Lord, I just pray that my testimony that you have led me on through agriculture, through this experience, might touch hearts, that it might transform us, and it might connect us with the power that you desire for us to have in our lives. In your name we ask, amen. So a few weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a pain in my chest radiating out, very painful, and my stomach was in knots. You see, I had just returned from the GYC conference and we are in the process of starting a very small farm and there's a lot of work involved in that. And the time for planting is coming very close and there's a lot to accomplish. And coming back from, from GYC, I knew that the work was waiting me at home, okay? And when I got home, I started kind of writing a list. And the, it, the list overwhelms me currently right now of everything that needs to be accomplished for this season to take place. And so I got stressed and anxious and worried. I knew why I woke up in the middle of the night with my chest hurting It was because of anxiety. It was some sort of panic attack, I guess you could say. And I said, Lord, why? Why am I having this experience? And he's like, Alan, you know why. I like being down here with you guys better. You can't? Okay, well, we'll be up here again. He's like, you know why. You know, these conversations that go back and forth here in your mind said why why lord why he's like come on alan don't don't be so don't be so uh dumb yeah thank you you know why he says the thing is is that 
if this farm doesn't pull off the way you think it should, it's going to hurt your pride. You don't care about your customers. You don't care about your family. You only care about yourself. And that's why you're stressed. The thing is, is Alan, the reality of the matter is, is that your value and what you consider is important, your personal worth is, con <laughs> is connected with your performance. You're not allowing me to set your value. You're trying to protect it yourself. Okay? Very sobering. And of course, that didn't help me sleep either. <laughs> exactly. But it's important. And, and, and so I started doing a little bit of introspection. And I can remember another time when I had this anxiety feeling in my life. I can distinctly remember being a 10 year old or nine year old in Sabbath school and being asked to read a scripture and being very nervous. You see, I was not a very good reader. And I felt like, I mean, there were other people, other young people in our church, younger than my, me, you know, five, six, that were reading beautifully and I could not add up to that standard. And so whether it was, whether it was expressed directly or it was taken through osmosis from the surroundings, we all learn at a very young age, at least from this world, that our value is in proportion to our performance. And we will do anything to protect our value. And so, some of us, it makes us angry. Some of us makes us upset. Some of us makes us bitter. We have resentment because we have taken on what God never intended us to take on. You see, this doesn't just start in our childhood. It started a long time ago. Actually, the first time anyone really had a problem with this, as far as humans are concerned, was at the tree of the knowledge and good of evil. What was the temptation? God came to Eve, uh, sorry, not God, the devil came to Eve and he said, did God not really say that you should eat of this tree? Because he knows in the day that you eat of your eyes will be open and you will be as God, as if God was withholding something. The thing is, is that we naturally default to protecting ourselves, our values, when our relationship with our Heavenly Father is in question. The thing is, is that Eve felt like she couldn't trust God to look out for her. This is what the deception of the devil, this is why it's so powerful, is because when our... when when we don't believe that God will take care of us, when, that God will, has our best interest in mind, that God is where our value resides, we have to take that on ourselves. But the problem is, is that we were never meant to bear the burden of our own value. That was something that God wanted to bear for us. But unfortunately, in the case of our parents, that all changed. So not only, not only did we learn this from childhood from those around us, but it's something that we have inherited for centuries. The problem with that is that you're born with it. And of course, this opens an entire new can of worms. Because when you're born with something, you're kind of stuck with it. But 
in God's goodness, and we all know this, he came to set things straight through his son. Okay? And yes, God comes to pardon our past experiences, but he comes to eradicate this systemic idea that has that was started at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as far as humanity is concerned, that your performance equals your value, that's the problem. That is the problem. That performance equals value, and that our value, we, and, and because of that, because we have to look out for ourselves, therefore, we have all these problems. But here's the thing is that I noticed and I know and I have tried as hard as I try to get rid of this self-preservation mentality it's impossible humanly speaking impossible I have prayed Lord empty me of this selfishness empty me of this mindset that I am the one responsible for my success my worth my value but it still keeps coming. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's so difficult. It's so in there. So I want to share with you something that my sister and I have been experiencing for the past few months that has been very powerful in this area. And it comes back to grace. Now, when we think of grace, just a second here. When we think of grace, we think of unmerited favor. That's usually what I thought about grace. But in the Bible, there's two definitions for grace, okay? The first definition, of course, is unmerited, unmerited favor. The second, though, that Paul reflects is something that's called active grace, or we like to call active grace. And active grace is the power that God gives us to recover our minds from the deception this deception that, that we have to protect ourselves, that our value intrinsically comes from our performance. This is what I was experiencing on my farm, this idea that, Lord, if, if, if you don't, uh, sorry, if, if this season doesn't come off, if I can't organize things off, this reflects on me as a person, and therefore I will look stupid and foolish to my customers, to my family, all these types of things. And so we find in Romans 5, verse 21, and this is the principle of active grace. This is where the definition really becomes the power of God to transform our hearts and minds. It says, As sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Simple enough, but let's do a comparison. This mindset, this mindset of self-preservation, this mindset of sin, has it been powerful in your existence? It's been powerful in my existence. It's reigned in my body. This idea that I must protect myself, and it has made my life miserable. And I know it's made my life miserable, because I get up in the morning sometimes, and I have an agenda of what needs to happen this day. And someone in my family crosses that agenda, and I'm upset. I'm mad that this happens, but God has provided 
as sin has reigned, as this concept in our body has reigned powerfully unto death, so grace much more unto life. And so this is where active grace comes into play. As, sin, as powerful as sin has been in your life, as like Paul says, the good that I would, I don't, and the things that I don't want to do, that I do. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? This is what he's talking about. The body of death is this misconception that we've inherited and that we have learned in this world that somehow our performance translates to our value. Okay? That's the body of death. And every sin comes out of this misconception. Why do you think pornography is so popular? It's because it makes people feel good because they're not feeling good because they're not making it up in some certain area. Why do you think that depression and, and suicide, we heard, I heard about in prayer, we were praying for this young lady this morning, that she was suicidal. The problem is, is that that comes from people that have lost the value of God in their life. They, they've lost the concept that God has their best interest and they've lost hope. But if our hope is in ourselves, we have no hope. But if our hope is in Christ, we have everything. And so, it comes so practical in our experience, this, this grace. Now, so as sin has reigned, as this concept of self-preservation, as this concept of, of value and, and trying to preserve our own worth has been powerful in our life, grace, God's active grace, will reign much more in the opposite direction. You think a bad, bad as sin has controlled your life, grace can control it much more the other way. But how do we get this act of grace? How do we, how do we receive it? I'm going to share a little story here. I'm a sinner. Okay? I think everyone recognizes that. And I want to be saved from this mindset. And I was talking to my sister one day, and I said, Lord, I said, Lord, <laughs> I guess, something, well, no. Um, I'm like, Aubrey... I'm really discouraged today because I've prayed for the Lord for a deliverance from a particular sin, and he hasn't answered me. And God says, if we ask, does, isn't it God's will that we be free from this mindset? Therefore, if we ask according to his will, will he give it to us, right? That's the promise. And Lord, I've been asking, I've been asking, I've been asking for years. And I haven't had deliverance. And this causes, and so you start asking these questions in your mind is, does God not want me to be delivered? Is God um, doesn't care about my situation? Why is he not answering? I'm asking, why is he not answering? And Aubrey says, well, Alan, how are you asking? And I said, well, I, I, I get on my knees and I say, Lord, please deliver me from this. Lord, I don't want to have this problem. Lord, please deliver me. She's like, you're asking all wrong. I said, what do you mean? She says, Alan, you're asking for something that you consider hasn't happened yet. The reality is, is that grace has already happened. It's alive and well. You need to reckon that it has already happened. And, and by faith, live as though it has happened. And this is what Paul says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves as dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. This is what we read before. As sin has reigned, so grace much more. But look in what it says here. For sin shall not have dominion over you. This is the promise. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Okay? This is the powerful, and it's very important that we understand that grace can work in this capacity. I'm not saying that grace does not work as unmerited favor. There are definitions, there are contexts in the Bible where that is how it works. But there are other contexts where that definition just does not add up like in the ones I previously mentioned. The correlation is this equals this. As sin has reigned, so grace will reign. As sin has had dominion in your life, so grace will have the same. It's the same replacement. So how does this work? So, back to the bedroom and the pain in the chest. Okay? Lord, you know that selfishness is the reason why I'm stressed, because I don't want to look stupid, and I have this feeling in my heart that I need to somehow preserve my value in front of, in front of my family, in front of my customers. Lord, you know that, that as a human being, value and having worth is very fundamentally important to me. But I know that if I try to take on preserving my own value, I will fail. And Lord, it seems very dark right now, and I can't see, even now, I'm saying this as personal, present now. Lord, I cannot see how everything will be accomplished for this season to take place this year. There's just too much humanly possible. But Lord, I choose, I reckon that your grace is sufficient. And I choose to rather look as a fool to my customers than to try to take upon myself the responsibility of my own value and miss out on the power and the grace that you desire to have the opportunity to reveal in my life. The pain started to recede, melted away. It's amazing how practical challenging your experience with the reality of the Word of God. If grace is this powerful, we need to reckon it as if it is so. Our experience, our life, what we see needs to be reckoned by what we cannot see. Because it's the power of the Word of God that framed the world in seven days is the same power that Mrs. White says it's as an atmosphere that we can choose to breathe. It's as free as what we breathe right now. It's that available to our experience. This power is so tangible. It's so there. But many times we pretend, we act as though it never happened. You know, 
I was praying one night over an experience and trying to go through this reckoning, and the Lord gave me this analogy. This kind of goes back to the difference between asking, asking, Lord, please deliver me, and reckoning as if so. I was there as, Lord, I'm praying about this, and I said, Lord, I reckon that your grace is sufficient in this situation. I give to you my value, but I know I need this transformation of heart because I come from a line of doubters and skeptics from Adam and Eve. I need this power. And I had this, this sensation of there was this things of batteries, just a whole pack of batteries like standing next. And it was if it, it says if I could just touch out and receive that power, that grace to transform. So a few more practical examples. A lot of stories this morning. We, um, with Larry and Michelle, it was a blessing. We were able to give our um, pre-conference intensive on market farming. And I had worked several weeks on slides, and Aubrey had worked several, several days on perfecting the slides and making them look beautiful. And the night before, we were going to give the presentations. Aubrey's like, hey, Alan, I just finished them up. Why don't you come through and let's go through them? Sure, great, they're done, praise the Lord. So she hooks in her hard drive and the sign comes up on the screen, corrupted drive. We lost every single presentation. So now we have a choice. Am I gonna allow grace to speak its truth into my experience, or am I going to allow my experience to put me into preservation mode and therefore go down the road to other problems? And so it was about 1 o'clock in the morning, and Aubrey's trying to restart this drive, and I can see the computer light come on in the middle of the room in the dark, shines on the room, and then it goes off, and it comes on again. She's, She's trying her hardest to save, to get these files. It's not working. I said, Lord, I would rather look as a fool in front of these people that have come to this conference and not have beautiful slides than to miss out on the experience that you want to have for me. Your grace is available. I choose to reckon my experience as something already won. You have already taken care of the situation. Lord, you have foreseen this problem. I allow your grace to speak its power into my existence here. And I will not worry. I will not fret for you are with me. I was able to sleep. And my sister. And this is the real... This, this is the real tragedy. It's because Aubrey was there trying to start this computer at night. And what is she worried about? She's worried about the presentations too. But she's saying, oh Lord, what is Alan going to say when he knows that I can't recover these? Because she knows, she knows how I've been in the past. She knows that I would have been very mad without God's grace. She <laughs> People, if we don't allow the grace of God to fill our hearts and lives, our families are afraid of us. 
because they don't know what to expect. And to think that my sister was afraid of my reaction. My sister. What about all the other times that I never was cognizant of this grace available? Lord, Lord, preserve me. Preserve me from not allowing your grace to be relevant in my life. And by God's grace, she said, look, whether Alan's mad, whether we lose these things, I choose to reckon this experience by the power that God has for us. And we will get through this, whether we look as fools. God will provide. And she was able to sleep by God's grace as well. And the Lord did provide. And those that went to our class, by God's grace, you didn't see really any difference. He provided. He provided. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. For His grace is available for us. One last story, and then I'll be done. The story goes, there was two young men with the last name of Wesley, John and Charles Wesley. It's interesting, actually, they started the Methodist movement, which actually Mrs. White was a Methodist before she became an Adventist, which is quite interesting. I think it's interesting how that sometimes these things chain up. They were embarking upon a venture to go to Savannah, Georgia to bring the gospel to the heathens of Savannah and the Indians of the Americas. During that trip, something started in Wesley's mind that transformed his ministry and his life thereafter. He was in the ship, and amazingly, at that same time, there was a group of Moravian Christians traveling, transiting the Atlantic Ocean with him. And of course, this is a several-week trip at that point, and it takes a long, and you're, you're stuck with these people on a very, very small wooden vessel, okay? And it's very treacherous because storms can blow up at any time. But in the great controversy, Mrs. White actually writes about this experience, which I find fascinating. She says, and she quotes Wesley there, saying something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, the Moravian Christians were a mystery to me. They took on the responsibilities on the ship that no other Christian or the English would. They were constantly barragered and pestered by the other passengers, pushed around and thrown. But they got up and walked away without any type of retaliation. When they, were, when they did the humblest task, they were asked why they would do that. And they said that it was good for their proud hearts and that their Savior had done more for them than they could ever do for him. Anyways... A storm came up during the experience. The mainsail was split in two and cracked the top of the deck, and the water started coming in. 
during ex actually one of the kind of worship service of the Moravians. He states that the English in the ship started screaming, that he himself was worried for his own life and said that he was not ready to die. The Moravians, though, he said, this was our final test for them to see if they were not free from, uh, they said that because of their experience, they had already proven themselves that they were free to pride, but now were they free from the fear of death? So the split opened and the rain comes in and the English starts, the English passengers start screaming and the Moravians sing on as though there was not a storm. He asked one of them afterwards, were you not afraid? And he says, I praise God, I was not. He says, what about your women and children? Were they, sorry, what about your, yeah, women and children, were they afraid? He says, no, they were not. We praise God for that. You see, Mr. Wesley, we are not afraid of death. And at that moment, he realized that they had a Christian experience that he had nothing to compare. That he had been trying to work and to work out his own salvation. And sometimes if we do not accept the grace of God, the power of grace in our lives, we are just as the same. Trying to work an impossibility that God never meant for us to have to do. I've read that story in Great Controversy several times. And quite honestly, I have felt very similar to Wesley. An Adventist with the truth, without the power thereof. Maybe some of you, and I'm not saying that I haven't a perfect, perfect experience yet, but maybe some of you are just as I am, or as I was, a Wesleyan, on a Moravian ship desiring an experience that you just don't have. I commend to you God's grace. I commend to you His power. I commend to you this power that it can speak into your existence and become reality. And this is why we can say with confidence that there is no excuse for sin. There would be excuse for sin if this power wasn't available. Because then it would be a trying to say and accomplish an impossibility. But with God's power, with His empowering grace, as sin has reigned, so grace much more. There's no excuse. There is no excuse. Brethren, we have the power. It is there. And my prayer for you is that you would allow it to speak its reality, its power, into your existence, into your farms. Because without it, you're going to be a miserable farmer. I can promise you that right now. There are things that you will come up against, whether you are farming now or you will be farming. There are things that you are going to come up against that if you try to preserve yourself, if you try to take on this responsibility that God's grace is the only thing it can take on, you are going to be a miserable person. It will be a living hell. Hail. God wants something better. Something better for us. This is something that no conventional, regular, non-Christian farmer can experience. It's a peace that passes all understanding. 
Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, you have provided the gasoline. You have provided the electricity to run our spiritual experience. Lord, we pray for forgiveness of not taking advantage of such free a gift as you have provided. We, by your grace, dear Father, desire to reckon our experiences by the reality of your empowering word. And Lord, by your grace, we reckon that we are dead to sin and alive to Christ, alive, alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we know that you desire for us to be free from sin, from selfishness, from this malignant idea that our performance is somehow correlates with the value that we have. Lord, we pray for forgiveness. We pray for your grace to empower us because you have promised. In your name we ask, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.